from the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. I knew that just when I woke up this morning, that that's where I was living, in the Hill Country in Texas. I just knew it. I don't know how I knew it, but I just did. Good afternoon. It's a little bit after uh, noon. Had to uh, take a little time to get George uh, George set up here. George is in uh, his uh, his little palatial uh, business there in Dripping Springs, Texas, and we're going to meet him in just a second. We uh, talked to Brian Artis about a half an hour ago for an hour, over an hour or so. We've already posted that on the front page with the link if you'd like to spread it around. And I hope this gives a little bit more insight to what he's uh, conjecturing and alleging. Um, we, I, I think he's a very credible guy and he means well. I just, I just still haven't seen any evidence and he had no evidence, and we asked him very clearly if he had any evidence for venom in the water, any ways that uh, people actually were getting venom into their bodies. He didn't, um, just didn't have any evidence. It's all his uh, conjecture with looking at different research papers. A lot of circumstantial evidence there. Uh, I don't think you could, you could convince a jury, but he sure done his homework, and there's, a, there's something going on with venom. I don't know what it is. Uh, but, um, like I say, I don't think you can convince a jury, but we'll see. So, uh, you know, spread it around. We just wanted to get the get, get with him, and, uh, uh, because this video went, like, the most viral video ever, uh, because of the, uh, idea of watch the water, and there's snake venom in the water, and that's what's killing people, and again, no evidence of, of that either. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, talk more about it. Uh, in the days to come and weeks, and we'll we'll see what we can uh, come up with. If you'd like to be on the show and ask George Altgelt uh, a, a question about your gardening or food, or uh, he's a he's a great nutritionist as well, biochemist, and he's been around the block a few times, and uh, he's uh, studied all kinds of uh, things over his uh, lifetime. He started Geo Growers long time ago in Austin, way back when in the hippie days, and uh, he. Uh, uh, went to uh, Premier College Preparatory School in uh, Kerrville, attended University of Texas at Austin, where he studied cellular and molecular biology, and a business entrepreneur, and uh, consulted in the soil fertility service. And he has got a great spot. I, I think two different locations. I try to even keep up with George too. George Altgeld, good morning, boy. You look great there, kid. How are you? Good morning. <laughs> oh, you look good too, man. I'd seen you in a while. Yeah, I know, George. Well, thanks. You how and now you have three locations now, George? Three? Well, actually we're we're still in Cedar Valley, but we're moving to Dripping Springs. Oh well everybody else is. You might as well too, George. Sure. I mean we're wanting to get everything under one roof, all the materials that we sell that are for soil and growing trees shrubs gardens etc and then all of our uh, garden supplies now it's going to be under one roof and we've been in two locations now for more than a year oh great well if you get to austin we have uh, listeners all over the world george but if you get to austin um, or dripping springs rather go come see us and we'll have lunch and with george and talk talk gardening we have lots of stuff we could talk about uh, today george since you are a master gardener so if you have questions about uh, planting a garden, it is spring, you know, no matter, well, unless you're in Boise, Idaho, and I guess it's still winter there. 
uh, call 888-663-6386 or email patrick one radio network.com uh, now George is an expert in this area here with the soil and all that but no matter where you live and and I suspect that he can give you some ideas on what you might do uh, to get some food growing for you because um, that's what I wanted to start with these days uh, there's so much talk now about food shortages coming and all that. I'm sure you've done some research George what do you think do you think that personally do you think we're going to see less and less food in the stores and do you think there's going to be a, a really dumb thing happening here i i think we're already starting to see uh less and less items on the shelf mm-hmm. uh, the most interesting development that i've come across lately is um uh supposedly uh and you know there's any number of uh agencies that are warning us about avian flu and um and this yeah, form I've seen of that avian one. Flu, yeah. let me let me back up a minute. Okay. I want to say this about the so-called avian flu. Um, <laughs> uh, birds are uh, one of the few creatures that we actually share viruses with. And I'll tell you about the first one. It's chickenpox. And, uh, uh, you know, chickenpox has been around a long time. Uh, uh, you know, it's the interesting thing about chickenpox, mumps, measles, German measles, um, uh, and Hoopincroft, Hoopincroft, Whoopincroft, I don't even thought. Whoopincroft. I'll try to pronounce these things properly, but <laughs> I can get tongue-tied after a while. Um, uh, chickenpox and, you know, all the childhood diseases, they are, in fact, markers of the development of autonomy within the individual. Yes, sir. And if you follow uh, Russell Blaylock's work, you know, Russell Blaylock was a brain surgeon mm-hmm. and uh, he got very interested in brain chemistry and set up a laboratory in Italy where he studies uh, just about everything about the brain and what can go wrong. But this is the man who says that our childhood diseases are what mature us mm-hmm. uh, immunologically and also they are markers of our autonomy. It's like, in, in a similar way, hmm. you know, uh, a bungee jumping off of a bridge, and it's got a lot of, you know, uh, thrill to it. I haven't done it. I'm not interested. But it is <laughs> one of those uh, markers of autonomy. But the childhood diseases are very, very deep markers of autonomy, and they are necessary. And to vaccinate against common childhood diseases is a mistake, according to Russell Blaylock, and I have to agree with him, because if you vaccinate for them, you don't have the immunity that comes from having it naturally and having um, survived it, you know, having fought it off. Yes, sir. And really, it's, it's only uh, malnourished children or children in areas where they're starving to start with that they are not going to survive um, the childhood diseases. Now, I'll give you an exception to that. Uh, when the Europeans came to the United States, they had already had this immunity built in. The one virus that was devastating to America, uh, Native Americans was measles. Measles killed 90% of every Native American population that it hit. And uh, that is devastating. 
But what's interesting is the immunity from it climbed very quickly. Uh, and when there was a reinfestation or influx or, um, you know, a reintroduction of measles into a Native American population, only 30% of the people died because of the survivors and the immunity that they passed on to their children. And now measles is not a lethal disease for Native Americans. Uh, and this is how all diseases move through populations. Yeah, you'll kill off a bunch if you got something brand new, uh, like in the case of measles. But once that has passed through, now you have the Native population is immune or has a great deal of capacity to resist um, the, uh, you know, the lethality of a, of a, of a viral disease. But now, George, interesting thing, you know, yes. let, let me interrupt a second. There are people, and I happen to be one of them, but it doesn't matter just because I, that uh, do, are not germ theory people. They don't believe that there are virus scrolling around and that measles and mumps and chickenpox are, um, 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 as Rudolf Steiner talked about, their rites of passage. This, like you say, where they mature, but these are detoxification pathways. And kids, yes. kids don't, you don't catch these things according to the non germ theory people. Does that resonate and I have with to, you? I have to agree with that. Oh, but entirely. see, you kept calling it a disease and all of that. And so I, I just. Well, that's, that's habit. That's okay. absolutely habit. I am with you completely. Are you? Um, mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm sure you've probably heard Rich Massey, Dr. Rich sure. Massey, talk. He's about on the it. show yesterday. Uh, All right. Oh, okay. Well, the uh, the real cause of the, I believe it was the 1918 flu epidemic. Was it that in 1819? Yes, sir. 1918. He said the real cause of it was unexpressed grief from World War One. I. I wouldn't. And I, I, I wouldn't I'm in total agreement with it. Uh, yeah. Uh, this this is not a germ. This is people succumbing from uh, the unexpressed emotional foundation of they're having to clear uh, their emotional body. And that was, the, that was really the cause. And the interesting thing about the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic is uh, homeopathists brought health back to something like 98% of their patients through homeopathy which again indicates it's not a germ it is in some other imbalance some, something inside yeah and you know i think there was ddt too george that were involved somehow in the spanish flu thing that people conjecture i think the invisible rainbow guy talks about that you know and there was also the invention of radar radar that's right which is what he talked about as well radar which could have affected people physiological psychologically spiritually who knows you know who knows? Right, right, and unfortunately, that is not studied enough. No, um, none of that stuff is. <laughs> but, 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 but we do know people can become quite ill from uh, microwaves, and you know some people are more sensitive than others. That's right. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. So, so, so we kind of got off track. Not off track. It was very good what you did. But before we leave there, then I suspect. I mean, you would have to just think about the idea. If it wasn't a germ theory, as we don't believe there is, and it's not been proven, it's not just my belief or your belief or Cowan's belief, there's just not been proven to be a COVID-isolated virus. This hasn't been there, and never even measles virus or AIDS virus. 
But anyway, so maybe there was some kind of karmic spiritual thing that the Indians were dealt with to to get stronger and build up their immunity or, or, or detox. You know, we don't know. These are all God things, aren't they, George? I mean, we don't know about that. They certainly are. <laughs> oh, DDT, someone said that DDT was more in the polio thing. I think DDT was the polio uh, adjuvunks, one of the polio adjuvunks, and then the, the radar was more for the Spanish flu, I think. I think. Right, right. Uh, you know, the the children running after the spray trucks that were spraying DDT everywhere. I did that are, too. Did you do that yeah. when you were a kid? No, we were such a poor community. They didn't even allow us to have DDT <laughs> trucks. It's like, oh, they're just you know a bunch of riffraff over there on the north side of that bay. Forget them. You were lucky. You were <laughs> George. We this this the mosquito people would come through in St. Louis right in the summer. I don't know how often. I don't remember how, but they, I remember them. They came through, and this thing was like a blowtorch, right? It was just like—I mean, it was huge. And we would ride our bikes behind it. We just thought it was. My mom knew we were doing that. She would have killed us. But uh, you know, I don't know. It's—I uh, I, I wasn't sick or anything when I was a kid. I wonder how a kid could just detox that stuff because I did. Well. Uh- one of the most potent detoxification units around is vitamin C. And then if you were getting enough of the uh, uh, NAC, N-acetylcysteine, that's the foundation of glutathione. And glutathione is a very interesting antioxidant, antitoxant, toxic, anti-toxifier, because it can wrap itself around very complex man-made toxic chemicals Hmm. things that your liver is not designed to detoxify glutathione steps in and takes over and escorts it right out of the body i must have had a good supply when i was a kid right because we didn't even know what we didn't what vitamins were then (laughs) back then no we didn't we had no idea we just ate food it was ate food that's it it was a food absolutely Hmm. yeah Um, and and you know back then there were it wasn't like you. We didn't have canned food. It was just vegetables and, and meat and fish and pasta. You know, that was that's what we ate, right? Right, right. But I do know that you asked me that question, and I do want to address Actually, it. Please do. Okay, so um, uh, I'll describe these events as clearly as I can. Uh, at one time um, in our past here at Geo Growers, uh, we had chickens in a chicken coop. Yeah, the chickens. Oh. And, you know, chickens have a tendency to cross the road, and uh, they and when they decide to come home, they have to cross the road again, and that's when we were noticing that there were cars screeching to a halt and sliding around on the highway uh, because the chicken was crossing the road. So we got rid of the chickens. It was just too much of a liability. But before that happened, here's an interesting thing that happened. We had a chicken, a hen, and she got all covered up with scabs. Yeah. And so we looked it up on, you know, we put it in the search engine. And sure enough, uh, it's common among chickens. It's chicken pox. Really? And so they do yeah, the same. They must do the go through the same. Pre- right. <laughs> they go through something that causes them to get this. So that. I just made the assumption that the, this one chicken I see. is deficient in some kind of a mineral. And my first assumption was that mineral that's most deficient in living things and whether it's humans or livestock you name it uh it's iodine really 
So I had some 2% Lugols, and I know you know what that is, and probably a lot of our sure. listeners know what Lugols is. So I started swabbing this on the chicken's head. Now, she was so bad off that her eyes were totally covered up with scabs. She couldn't see even to get over to get a drink of water. And we were having to, you know, give her uh, eyedroppers full of water just to keep her hydrated. Well, anyway, I swab on the Lugol's 2% solution. And the next thing you know, the scabs are going away. Then the scabs uh, start going away so much. She can open her eyes. She can walk around. She's eating again. And about 72 hours later, you could never even tell that she had chicken pox. So do you, do you think it's possible they go through the same, the same principle and you just helped her go through it more quickly with the iodine? Yes. Or there's a, there's a, this is how the disease manifests because of a mineral deficiency. I see. It's so, not from it's not from a virus. She's already got the chicken pox in her, sure. as we all do. Yeah. We've got it, but what she what she didn't have was enough mineralization of iodine in particular to keep her free of it. So now here's here's the corollary. But go ahead, ask your question. Yeah. So so what they're selling is this idea that cabillions of birds are catching some virus. And they're passing it around, and it's called the bird flu, right? This is this is what they're selling on television, and we have to kill them because, well, you know, they're sick. So, I mean, what do you think the chances are that this is just a, another made-up thing to shorten the suits, food supply for chicken? You think that's possible? Oh, I certainly do. And when you look at what they're asking us to believe, have you heard this? The vector for avian flu is rubber tires on dirt roads. What the vec what does the vector mean? That's the that's the vector for this avian flu. Oh. It's rubber tires on dirt roads. What does vector mean? That means it's it's uh being spread by, if not caused by <laughs> by cars. <laughs> by cars with rubber tires. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's being circulated right now. I'll believe that one. Yeah, that's a good one. It's like I mean, could you get any more, uh, you know, innocuous? Could you find anything that would spread the disease faster than rubber tires? <laughs> so, 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 do you follow this? Have they put God love those chickens? Have they killed a bunch of chickens thinking they're going to get caught or dead or something? Uh, so far, not not where I am. Mm -hmm. uh, this uh, this the gentleman is there to raise his chickens on non-GMO feed. And that non-GMO feed uh, is, you know, is a whole food. Interestingly, the thing about birds is they're the only creature really designed to eat grains, except for ungulates, of course. But chickens and birds in general can can digest grain, and they have a craw, and it's got sure. sand in it, <laughs> and it ferments right there in the craw, and then then they digest it even further. Um, and but the the craw and the digestion of a bird is how it gets rid of the phytates that are present in most grains. Phytates are what causes the grain to um, sprout or not sprout, depending on its environment. And if you eat uh, bread that's not sourdough, you're absorbing phytates, and that is restricting you from absorbing minerals. So birds get around that by fermenting the grain while it's in their craw. So the interesting thing about um, this whole story about the chicken is that chicken 
was cured so fast and with nothing other than me swabbing Lugol's onto its scabby head. <laughs> so here's the rest of the story. So Shingles shows up in a good friend and my girlfriend says, ah. she says, Amy's got shingles. I can't believe it. She's so healthy. And, and, you know, shingles usually gets on one side of the body or the other, and it's a remnant of having had chicken pox. Something's going on. So I said, well, look, I, you know, two weeks ago, I just cured a chicken of chicken pox with iodine. Let's go over there and swab her back with that. And we did. And within minutes, the pain started to diminish. In 24 hours, it was visibly less. And then after that, um, it, about 72 hours later, she didn't have any visible signs of shingles on her back. So the next thing you know, she's got shingles in her eye. Same side of the body, left side of the body. So, And that can cause uh, blindness. It can also cause a stroke. Hmm. So I said, well, look, the iodine works so good there. Why don't we just put um, six drops of iodine in a glass of distilled water and use it as an eye wash? And so she did, and it was just, I was just saying, well, let's, let's throw that at it and see what happens. It was just a recommendation. That's all I had. Anyway, she started using it as an eye wash, and sure enough, the shingles went away from her eye. And in two, 72 hours, she was totally free. And she's been totally free of that ever since. And that was just from, you isn't, know. Yeah, isn't there a, there's a connection with the chicken pox and shingles, isn't it? Is it something like when... When, let's see, how is that? Is it, George, like shingles or measles? They want, they really especially like girls to get it since it is a detox thing. They don't want the ladies to detox while they're pregnant, get measles or mumps, right? Because it's dangerous for the baby, which makes sense. Now, they don't explain it like this, but that's the way it, I believe it is, right? If you're detoxing and, and it, so shingles, I think, doesn't it happen for people that didn't ever have? The, the chicken pox thing? No, that I don't know. But but I do know that uh, the elderly will get shingles, and especially if they've had, you know, chicken pox. It's some remnant of chicken pox still in the body. Yeah. And I, I, I think it manifests because they're, they become minerally deficient. Ah. Uh, I don't think there's any other reason for it. It's not because it's a disease that spreads. But if it had to come out, is it just... Go ahead and let it get out? No? Well, it can be quite painful, and that was one of the reasons why we uh, made the suggestion or the recommendation that she swab that. Right, right. Yeah. And, and that turned out to be, you know, nourishing the body. The interesting thing about iodine is it is the uh, master mineral within the body. The it master tells mineral. All, hmm. Master mineral, yeah. It tells all the other minerals where to go and what to do. Uh, what mineral deficiency causes avian flu? Well, who would know, Well, right? that's a really good question. <laughs> that's that's an email. I, I just got that was an email. Yeah. Right. So uh, without studying it, here's what I would do. I would feed the chickens something rich in all minerals. And that would turn out to be some form of seaweed. And if you've ever fed uh, powdered seaweed to chickens, they will gobble it up. They really like it. Huh? Oh, man. It's like, oh, we're going to put that guy on the hero this list. This is Bring good. this over to us. This is Do you know what, George? I, you know where I thought you were going with the chickens? And let's go there together because I think there's something to this. So what were the words that you used 
about when the kids get chicken pox or measles or mumps. That word was different from what I've ever used. What's that process you called it? Um, they're, they're claiming there's territory or... or uh, it's, it's a marker of autonomy. There you go. Uh, a marker of autonomy. So what if spiritually, psychologically, you know, the chickens are so fed up with being put in little cages, tearing their beaks off, you know, turning their lights off and on to try to get them to lay more eggs, treat it terribly, awful. I mean, I couldn't, you can't even look at the pictures. It's so awful. What if they're just saying, you know what? We're declaring our autonomy and we're just going to, we're just going to get sick and get out of here and do something else. What about that one? That's probably a big part of it. I wouldn't doubt it for a moment. You know, the, the movement uh, within uh, livestock um, circles is you, and if you had ever listened to uh, Joel Salatin. I know Joel. He yeah. says you have to, have you had him on a oh, show? Sure, I bet yeah. you have. Yeah. yeah, he says you have to let these animals be what they are. Wow. They're, the pigs need to express pigness. Uh, chickens need to be chickens. chickens. Right. They're, they're out, they forage, they eat green grass, they eat insects, all this stuff. And if you keep them cooped up in a cage, well, you're cutting them off from the, the, right. from the natural world, everything. You know, the, the creator flows as light through all these feedstocks. Oh, yeah. Everything we eat, everything they eat. And if, if, if you look at it, if you look at what pasteurization has done to milk. Yeah. Uh, we used to eat raw milk or drink it, consume it, and it contained all the enzymes required to digest it. Mm -hmm. But once you pasteurize it, you ruin all those enzymes, and then it becomes hard to digest. Uh, and pasteurization does something very interesting to the protein casein. Casein is like, as, as a protein, it's, it's all stacked together like an accordion like a deck of cards with distance between each card. Uh -huh. And when you pasteurize it, that protein collapses into a brick. And now you've got something very difficult to digest. And it's, you know, little kids, they're not good at that. They don't have their digestion online. Wow. And, you know, you got to grow them up to a, a certain point before you can give them a, a deranged or deformed or denatured protein like that. Uh, and, and that's why, you, you know, kids run into real problems with uh, pasteurized milk. Interesting. So there's a real difference when you pasteurize it. It changes the molecules, the digestibility, pretty much changes the food. Right? Pretty much. Yeah. And, and what's interesting about milk, if it's unpasteurized, the things that spoil milk, and I heard my grandfather talk about this a lot. When, when you had milk just sitting out, it would clabber. And, uh, you know, out on the farm, sure. clabbered milk was really good. I mean, you acquired a taste for clabbered milk. And, the, the, you know, one of the milk products back then was uh, Clabber Girl. I remember, <laughs> I remember yeah, it. I remember that. Yeah, yeah it's Clabber, Clabber Milk. Huh. But what's interesting about that is um, what will spoil milk is not bad for you if that is unpasteurized milk but if the milk has been pasteurized and you have these weird proteins that are deformed and denatured the spoiling agents for those are quite toxic 
and I worked for a long time in construction, and I worked. I helped a carpenter. I was a carpenter's helper, and this guy, wonderful man, um, he grew up in an orphanage here in Austin, Texas, and he told me. He said, "You know how they make cottage cheese?" And I said, "Well, no. You know, I've never been to a cottage cheese factory. I had no idea." Well, back at the orphanage, here's how they did it. And according to him, this was common practice. You pour fresh milk through a dirty sock. Oh, good. And then it turns into cottage cheese. <laughs> what do you mean a dirty sock? <laughs> yeah, you take a dirty, smelly sock and you pour the milk through that sock. Oh, great. And it forms itself into cottage cheese. Now, this is unpasteurized milk, of course. I see. But anyway, and, and you know, I thought that was a great story. I wasn't put <laughs> off by it at all because I kind of liked cottage cheese. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, you could just take raw milk and just sit it on the counter if you want, and it'll just do something, you know, make all kinds of microbes and stuff and yogurt or whatever, clabbered milk, and you can eat it. It's just if it's, if it's unpasteurized. Yeah. yeah, and if you have it within a specific temperature range, uh, it can turn into kefir. It can turn yogurt. into yogurt. You know, and I, and now one of the one of the biggest boosters uh, for your health is the lacto bifido bifido uh, microbes. Uh, it's bifidus. Bifidus. And and if you start boosting your bifidus, it's very very good for your immune system. Bifidus. It makes you impervious in so many ways uh, to having something express, you know, from your body that you're carrying with you at all times. Like, for instance, most people would be loath to admit that they have tuberculosis in their sinuses, but we all do. We carry that mm -hmm. microorganism, and it doesn't make us sick or give us tuberculosis. None of that happens unless we stress ourselves to the point that we now become weak. And I know Dr. Massey would say, well, that's because you've got to detoxify. You've got to slow down. So you've got to stop killing yourself with overwork. So the next thing you know, you've got tuberculosis, and they send you off to some. Oh, I see. And state. then they say you 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 caught tuberculosis, right? When you it was just a stress similar to a flu or a cold, the same thing. The same thing. Same thing. Uh, about fifty years ago, they had counted some six hundred different rhinoviruses. Hmm. Six, rhinoviruses. Six hundred. Wow. Six hundred of them. That's what causes the common cold. And you don't have to have anybody with a cold. You can find these viruses in the body. They reside there. They're part of your biome. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they slow you down when you are overworking yourself. Oh, so <laughs> I never thought about it like that. They'll say, hey, brother, why don't you have a flu and take a rest for a minute because you're going to kill yourself. Right, because we got other things to do that are going to keep you alive later. So relax. You're just going to feel lousy oh, that for a while. That is so cool, George. I'm just so glad. You know, I never, I always, you know, not always, but for a long time, I've known that flus and viruses and, you know, are all detoxification pathways. But I didn't understand them, the, the science of it, like you've just so, they're in there. So that's the way, that's the detoxification process. It's not just, a, what are they saying to themselves, these, these, uh, these one of these rhino cold viruses and there's what are they saying i mean what's their their mission to get it well, their to mission, have you slow down yeah they they have you slow down and i don't know who knows what we know i mean 
they hang out in bars and brag about how they how sick they made you and you know and well and the other crew got to do their work because you got laid up in bed and didn't move around so dang much and we did our job yeah we did our stuff boy that really that really supports the entire germ theory nonsense doesn't it i mean it really it, really, it, it does it really does here's another interesting corollary <laughs> uh, uh in in the studies that I've read, some 80% of the American population has some form or other of herpes, yes. usually herpes simplex. I believe that's correct. But it does, I've heard that a lot. What's that? I believe that's yeah. correct. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's it doing there? 80% of us have it. What's it doing there? Hmm. Well, <clears throat> yeah, if your immune system really gets stressed, it will manifest as lesions. Yeah, uh, and you can get rid of it. Sure. Uh, 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 lecithin and yogurt and uh, lots of vitamin C, but the lecithin is a real important factor too. But here's here's the interesting thing: they now suspect that we carry herpes because it has survival value for your cardiovascular system. Interesting. That's what it's really there for. To clean up things. And to clean up things. To clean up things. It's that, and it's part of the vascular system. And if you're lucky, you're one of the 80% that has it. But you, but you may never see it manifest because yeah, your immune system is in top condition. And, you know, you're not calling on them to do something to make you slow down or, yes, no, or I, whatever it I is. You know, Dr. Cowan and Kaufman and Lanka and all that whole germ theory crowd, you know, lots of people. And the list is growing, by the way. Um, around the world, lots of credentialed people, they all say the same thing, that you can't catch herpes from somebody. That's just a, a made-up thing. You just don't, right. and you, like you can't catch a cold, you can't catch a flu, you can't catch herpes, you can't catch syphilis. You don't catch any of that stuff. It's all there, and it expresses itself with trauma and stress. Yeah, the trauma... And the stress, and like in the case of the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic, it was there to relieve us of unexpressed grief left over from World War One. Sounds interesting. Also, yeah. uh, the uh, HIV, I think it's the same thing. Everybody has an HIV virus thing in there, and they stressed out these gay, this gay community by scaring them out of their britches, and then they gave them drugs to kill them, and then they got scared when their friends were dying more. And who knows what happened to these poor guys and girls. Exactly. Um, there's an interesting piece of that story. Um, I listened to an interview with a gentleman who said, you know, in the early days of San Francisco, that was the uh, gay hub of, of the world, you know, the whole gay movement sure. of the world. Sure. And um, these guys were, you know, like you said, they're burning the candle at both ends. They yes, were, sir. you know, party, 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 and then they had to hold down a job and everything else. And then someone came along and uh, said, well, look, a, a lot of you are, are winding up with um, hepatitis C. Well, we've got a vaccine now that if you control hepatitis C. Yes, sir. And the guy was talking about all of my friends went for it. There was one day where you just went in and you got this vaccine for hepatitis C, and he said, for whatever reason, I just didn't go in. And he said, all of my friends who got that, they're all dead. They're all dead. 
Wow. And I, I didn't, I never got um, the HIV. Wow. But whatever it was that was in that shot was something that who knows what it was. Yeah. I don't know. And there's a whole oh, bunch of yeah. information. No, that, that story's been around for a long time that it was the, the, the vaccines that started the HIV. And, and it really spread in the uh, um, gay community in the hospitals. So many of those nurse, nurses, gay lifestyle, right? Lots of them. I mean, you see them all because they're very uh, giving and uh, helping people. This is what they do. You know, this is their, their energy, right? It's very wonderful. Uh, I've known a lot. I knew some the gay uh, nurses, uh, and they were just, they would do anything for you. You know, just anything. Anyway, so the word, the story that I heard also, George, is that this community and all the different hospitals in New Orleans and New York and every place, this is what really started it too because these people believed in the medical model, so they believed that the vaccines would be beneficial and they took the vaccines more than anybody else as well. And that was with HIV? HIV, correct. Whoa, I didn't know that part of it. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, George, we got to do a little break here. Stay right there. If you have sure. a question for George, um, he'll take it for you. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Uh, my email, that's what it is. If you'd like to talk to George, 888-663-6386. We didn't do a lot of commercials today. Uh, we got all got caught up with uh, snake venom uh, drama um, with uh, Dr. Artis. But, uh, <laughs> and we, put, we already put the video on the front page. We also have a link so if you want to share the video, you can share the link to BitChute and also watch the video and send it around. I mean, send it around and we get 0.5% uh, of how many people send around the watch the water thing. It would be good so people can get Dr. Artis's um, thoughts and um, conjectures and theories on this whole thing one week after this thing exploded. And he explains how he got there, why he went to see Stu Peters, and it wasn't about a virus. Um, it was about he wanted to learn how to protect himself because Stu Peters used to be a constable or a bounty hunter or something, and uh, Dr. Hardis uh, felt like uh, uh, people might want to try to uh, suicide him. So that's why he went there. So that's how this whole thing started. Interesting story. It's on the front page, One Radio Network. We think one of the coolest molecules ever, ever in the history of the universe is hydrogen. Want to get a machine and breathe it yourself? Drink the water? Check it out. Here we go. Whoops. Wait a <laughs> Sorry. I got lost. Sorry, George. I got lost, man. Oh, God. I thought it was a video. See, I got so used to doing videos that I was going to play a video. But you know what? It's not a video. It's, it's, an, it's an audio. Previously, with the highly credentialed Dr. Thomas Levy, he argues because the literature shows that oxidation is the cause of disease. But the whole point is the location, the concentration, the duration, the distribution of oxidized biomolecules determines 100% of all diseases. And so that's why I say oxidative stress doesn't cause disease, oxidation is disease. Is disease. If there's no oxidized biomolecules, you don't have a toxin. The toxic effect is 
oxidation of biomolecules. That's the entirety of it. And by the grace of God, several months ago, George Wiseman said this about hydrogen. Hydrogen is the world's best antioxidant by a long shot. Hmm. First of all, it's 700 times uh, smaller than something like uh, CoQ10, 400 times smaller than vitamin C, things like that. So it can literally go, the hydrogen molecule can literally go through everything in your body and go right into the very DNA and repair it. So now it makes sense why George was able to say this back in August 2019 with such conviction. The body accepts that gas and uses it to heal everything. It's like the fountain of youth. It's a, astonishing the amount of ailments. In fact, in scientific studies, and they have over a thousand scientific studies now, they are showing that it either helps the body heal directly or indirectly from virtually every ailment that ails any water-based life form. Okay, I'm sold. And I was able to get one a couple of months ago, thanks to your support. It's called the AquaCure Hydrogen Machine. Breathe the gas and bubble the water. There's a promo code One Radio for 10% discount. I think a great investment for you, knowing what we know now. On OneRadioNetwork.com. We got a little update on that, since that commercial is a bit ancient. <laughs> well, these things happen, you know. We dance as fast as we can here. Uh, the promo code now it will give you 20%. We have a 20% deal going on now. George and I, uh, George Wiseman and I, decided to, to kind of, uh, uh, we, we would just rather turn more people onto this great, uh, this great uh, technology not and not worry about as much uh, commission. So we cut the price, and so there you have it, 20% off. Now, you might have to wait a little bit to get it, George. Everybody and their brother, you know, it's so it's so fascinating. Uh, people, uh, we're, we're kind of leaders. I, I'm not pushing, blowing my own horn here, but we are uh, people, uh, you know, that we know, like Cowan and other people are now going to sell the hydrogen machine and other products like uh, Andreas, and it's great, and, and it's great. Uh, it's kind of a compliment when people uh, see things that you're promoting, and they say, well, I think I'll try that, and they like it. Anyway, um, it's 20% off on the hydrogen machine, and I've been breathing it for, what is it now, two and a half years? Wow, and I breathe it all the time. I have a cannula, 25-footer, where I do my work on my screenwriting, and you can rebound and uh, lift weights and do whatever you want to do while you're breathing the hydrogen, and then we make water twice a day uh, with the hydrogen water as well. So it's a cool thing, and the really neat thing about it is that it is um, a lifetime warranty. Life, I mean, hello, lifetime warranty. When's the last time you heard somebody give you a lifetime warranty on anything? You know, you buy anything now, the warranty is like 12 days. You know, after 12 days, I'm sorry, we just can't be, uh, <laughs> we, we just can't take responsibility for 12 days. After 12. And, and anyway, and then if you don't like it between now and one year, it's a, it's a, uh, you can send it back as well. Seriously, like 10 months from now, you say, George, Patrick, that guy's crazy, man. I want my money back. No, nope, he'll give you your money back. Send it back. That's how confident he is. Now, these also have safety features, which most all of the hydrogen machines you see uh, and when you Google it, and people Google it all the time so they can get a cheaper one. Go ahead and do that if you want, but I don't recommend it. George has safety features that no other machine has. He tries to get people 
to do the safety features, but they don't want to do it because it costs too much money, and you know how that is. You got to know the source, baby. That is our trademark, know the source. This machine is very safe. Hydrogen is a powerful thing. I mean, hey, in Austin, they got hydrogen buses. Well, in Austin, they got a lot of things, but you know what I'm saying? Hydrogen is very powerful, so you got to be careful with it. It is the number one molecule ever. Stars eat hydrogen for breakfast. Promo code one radio, 20% off on the hydrogen machine on only on one radio network.com. Get 20% off. Yep, yep, that's the way it works. The first supplement I like to take in the morning right after I wake up is Pine Pollen Pure Potency or P4. This is Cirque Rival's flagship testosterone and androgen support formula. It's made with the pollen of pine trees, which is rich in testosterone, androstenedione, DHEA, and a bunch of plant sterols. These are all substances, phytochemicals, that support the body's natural androgens, or male hormones. Of course, men and women are using this product, but usually it's men in andropause, men after age 40 whose testosterone production has started to decline. Many of Sir Thrival supplements can be taken any time of day, but Pine Pollen Pure Potency, it's important that you take at very specific times of the day. Now, it can be taken once, twice, or three times, depending on how much you want to supplement yourself with the phytoandrogens found in it. But the key is taking it at morning, right upon waking, midday or noon, and then again right before bed. So once, twice, or three times a day, but always at those times. And that's because that's when your body's naturally producing its own testosterone. And all we wanna do is amplify that sine wave. We don't wanna start to take testosterone at a time where our body's purged it from the bloodstream. Instead, we wanna take it at a time where those levels are already spiking and we're just subtly helping to increase them. This product tastes fantastic. I think of it like an orange creamsicle. And that's because in addition to that subtle pine flavor, there's a little bit of orange peel, Tahitian vanilla bean, cloves, and then a little bit of maple syrup just to give it this nice kind of sweet orange flavor. So it's really delicious and easy to take. So if you're looking to increase your testosterone or androgen levels and you want an alternative to pharmaceutical testosterone replacement therapies, there's nothing that does it better than pine pollen, pure potency. And you know, there's an old saying that like the proof is in the pudding. You ever hear that saying, the proof is in the pudding? Some people say the proof is in the tasting of the pudding. Well, I don't know if you can test my taste my testosterone levels. Well, you can if you want to. No, I won't even go there. Uh, so this is my latest test, uh, testosterone test that came in uh, in December, and they had a notice on it in red. It's too high. My testosterone is too high. They said my testosterone numbers are 876, and they say that the normal is uh, whatever it is, the normal is uh, 235 to 680. So mine was high. So I'm taking obviously too much pine pollen. Just kidding. Uh, George, <laughs> George, I have <laughs> Hi, George. I was looking, yeah. I was looking at that chart, Patrick, and you want that number to be high. I know you do, uh, baby. Yeah. And if, it's not normal. No, everybody else is like just dragging along. You know, uh, it, it's it's pathetic how much the testosterone levels have dropped in this country alone. Uh, one of my favorite doctors, Dr. Sebring, says he read a study where testosterone levels are now so low in young men that they're not even going through puberty. It, really? Whoa. They're seeing that, that it's starting to happen. That's crazy. It's crazy. 
Crazy, Maisie. What do you? What do you? What would you attribute that to? Just stress mainly, worry, fear, or that whole thing? Stress, the way we eat, the interference from plastics in our food. Hmm. Uh, you know, there's so many things, uh, but it's probably more than anything a lack of nutrition and a lack of mineral support for the body to actually progress as it should. I see. Yeah, so um, so then plastics and all those things, those are estrogenic, right? Estrogenic. Which kicks the testosterone estrogen. south, right? Right. They, they interfere with testosterone, and it's estrogen-driven cancers that are now the big problem. And again, that's from plastics, not from any other normal hormone balance. Do you, do you think then if the people, and most people do, eat commercial beef and chicken, right, and they doom up with all these hormones, that must mess with the guy's testosterone too, huh, in some way? Well, it, it very well could, and I, I recommend that you have a doctor that does regular blood tests so that you can see where that is. But, um, um, you know, testosterone levels, you know, 11 and 1,200 are not out of range, actually. That's a very healthy person. Um, and, you know, there's all sorts of things like that where you're above the norm. Well, the norm is dropped down so low, you've got to question yeah. what is the what norm. Is normal? Yeah. So, um, wow. So then this would be a, a, you know, if you want to get tinfoil hatty, and we do around here, um, this would be a great way to lower the population as well, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> you're not going to have a whole lot of babies with the T level of 400, you know. No, but, you know, I, I, I think we ought to grow food rich enough to help people become rational beings. <laughs> there you go. Than... <laughs> what a concept. Yeah. <laughs> do, do, you, do you think the mineral deficiency in people, is, uh, as um, so, so many people have talked about, what was the book? Um, uh, Waters? No, Walker? One of those books was called Empty Harvest. Uh, Empty Harvest, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that that... Uh, that that has to affect critical thinking, right? And why so many f folks are bonkers today. They just don't have the nutrients to think straight. Sure. And, you know, if you look at the history of um, the so-called, um, um, the you know, where people go into um, um, mood depression and then pop out of it and they become manic again, the manic depression thing. Um at one time, that was uh, very well controlled by making sure people got enough lithium. And then uh, lithium fell in disfavor. And I, I, the first thing I thought was, well, it's, you know, it's a mineral. It's not patentable. It's cheap and it works. It's actually effective. But I think that lithium is probably losing its effectiveness because there's not enough iodine in the body to regulate the use of and the efficacy of lithium because iodine is required to tell it where to go and what to do hmm. and uh that that could be it i don't don't we get don't iodine have, in salt don't we get enough iodine in salt uh, the the amount of iodine in iodized salt is so pathetically low that um you you would just be uh you know in total ignorance if you thought you were getting enough and as uh, Charles Walters pointed out in one of his books, by the time the salt in that container is half gone, the iodine has completely evaporated and is no longer even in that. Hmm. 
so and even sea salt doesn't have enough iodine it probably has enough to keep you from getting a goiter but iodine uh and it's used up for a lot of other reasons besides just body maintenance stress will cause it to use up and you've also got to keep enough iodine in your body to uh, push out heavy metals and that takes a lot more iodine than the so-called rda um the you know it used to be that was the um um um, regular dietary allowance or uh, what is RDA? Uh, recommended daily allowance or something yeah, like that. It, yeah, which actually stands for Run Down Americans. <laughs> Down America. You know, it's interesting. We have Dr. Ray Pete on, PhD. He's uh, got about 80, over 80 Christmases under his belt. He's been around and, and he, you know, he's on the show once a month, George, and he, he says that iodine's just not, we shouldn't be taking it supplementally. Interesting. A lot of different well, viewpoints I, on that. I don't know if you've ever heard that or not. Uh, here's, here's what I think is probably the best choice mm. is to get it from a food source ah. like seaweed. Seaweed. Uh, yeah. Rather than, you know, unless you're uh, with some kind of a professional health care practitioner, uh, the one thing that you can do with a large dose of iodine is it will actually push bromine off of your cells receptor sites for iodine and now you've pushed a bunch of bromine back into your bloodstream because that's what iodine will do and you will get quite sick from bromine really everything from flu-like symptoms to uh hallucinations uh and that's the damage that bromine is doing and that's that's one of the things you got to watch out for i would i'd certainly think that people ought to get iodine from a food source food source we, like, we promote like, uh, Dr. Cowan's uh, uh, products. He's got some powders, you know, these, uh, and they're all um, dehydrated. You know, he, they're really cool. I mean, very healthy. And he's got a whole seaweed blend thing, powders, that I like to use. So. Oh, okay. I'll yeah. have to look into that. Yeah. That sounds great. Really great, yeah. And everything, he's got turmeric and all kinds of uh, wild uh, rape, or like... Uh, not rape, uh, what is it, uh, ramp. Have you ever seen, have you ever had ramp vegetable? He's got all these heritage vegetables that he grows a la Rudolf Steiner, you know, bio, really cool. And then just dehydrates right, the, the powder. Yeah, the Steiner stuff. Then Steiner he dehydrates perhaps. the powders. And you can put these powders all over your food. And wild ramp is that one thing that, have you ever tasted that, wild ramp? I have not, but uh, if it's biodynamically grown, I'm all for it. Yeah. Uh, that's actually the great segue into what we can talk about, which is growing food um, for the sake of keeping your, your, you know, your. Yeah, it, let's it, do on our time remaining. Yeah. I don't have a great deal of time. Wow, I, I we got started late, so I can only stay a little while longer too. I have to have an sure. appointment, but before we talk about growing food, I wanted to ask you about this whole food shortage thing and we don't have to spend a lot of time with it you know there's so much in the media now which are mostly lies as you know um <laughs> about everything about but they're really pumping this idea of food shortages are coming blah 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 so when they do that it generally means that they whoever they are are going to continue to cause food shortages you know this is what they do right this is what they do so if that would happen and these people get really crazy i like to hope for the best and and uh, prepare for the worst, like uh, trust God and tie your camel, George, uh, kind of thing. Would that mean that 
vegetables at the HEB in the Safeway and the Whole Foods could be short as well, in your opinion? They could be. Uh, they could be. I, I, I suspect that uh, if, if I'm going to say if, this food shortage is being engineered, they're going to want to cut out meat. Yeah, uh, sure. And, you know, f- from every source, you know, organically grown or otherwise, because um, that is very dense nutrition and it counters all the empty calorie foods that one could eat. Um, and I'm, I'm not... Potato chips and stuff, or, whatever, yeah. But do you think yeah, it would affect uh, the vegetables? Um, from, it very well could. I guess and, it could. Um, but, you know... If they were uh, coming from California or Mexico or wherever they come from, right? Right. And, the, you know, I, I'm sure you occasionally discuss chemtrails on your show. From time to time. No, not much. From time to time. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the, what's interesting, what's in those is uh, a, a compound of aluminum, uh, which... Uh, interestingly, will tie up boron. It'll do that in your body, and it'll also do it in the soil. Uh, boron, uh, which you can easily get at uh, HEB as 20 mule team borax, you can distribute that on your garden. Don't use too much. Um, but the uh, but when you lose boron in soil because there's aluminum powder falling from the sky. Uh, it locks up boron, and boron is used in the plant for plant sap pressure. Oh. And if you can tie up enough boron, you can keep the, the your pine forests are going to die because they have to have, you know, recirculating, recycling their boron through the needles that fall to the ground, all the processes in the soil that bring that back up into the tree. And that's not just pine trees, but everything. Everything. And those- so we can use the boron on our, on our home gardens, just sprinkle it in. How much would you use, say, if you had a 10 by 10 uh, garden? Would you use a whole uh, box or something? No. 10 by 10 garden, you could use uh, one cup. One cup. On 10 feet. 10. Yeah, and you're probably not going to need it again for a while. But a soil analysis will tell you the best. Hmm. And even better than that would be tissue analysis of the plants you're growing. Oh, that'd be pretty trippy. Is that expensive thing to do? To really- well, it's not really expensive when you get right down to it. Uh, that's how you're going to keep yourself well and, you know, out of the doctor's office is what's in that soil that you're growing your plants in. And you can make plants so much better, more mineralized than anything you can grow in a grocery store or buy in a grocery store. Um, uh, we, and, and I highly recommend that you do that, as I would. But um, mm-hmm. We have listeners all over the world uh, and uh, obviously all part of the United States. So um, if you had to name another thing, one or two things that they could purchase wherever they live to put into their home garden to help things if they don't know what's in there, just something that would balance out or make everything more happy. Are there, are there some products you could recommend that are available around the country? Yes. We're talking worldwide. Um, there are um, fertilizers that have seaweed. Mm-hmm. Those are good because you've got the whole spectrum of minerals. There are um, sea salt um, and uh, mineralization products that are minus the salt, the NaCl salt. Yeah. salt. Yeah. You take that out, and now you've got all the minerals. You know, rarefied stuff that your soil could be out of and won't hurt to have some extra. 
uh, molybdenum, molybdenum. Easy for you to say. To <laughs> yeah, it took me three years to learn how to say that. Um, but that's that's how plant sap sugar and plant sap circulates through the whole Which body. Which is the minerals, right. Molybdenum. I think there's a and, company and, in, in Florida that has taking the, taking the uh, the sodium out, is it the sodium they take out, George? It's, yeah, it's the sodium chloride. That's just pure salt and leaves all the trace all the minerals, minerals behind. That, I think it's in Florida. You could probably Google that around. I used to know the name of that thing. Hmm. Hmm. So that would be a number one thing. You'd get it, find some seawater yes, stuff. Short, short of that, you know, let's say you're in a third world country and somehow you got a hold of this video. Uh, fish emulsion is Fish emulsion, ah. Now we're talking full mineralization, and the nitrogen is coming from proteins that break down. Mm -hmm. That's where you. That's a good nitrogen source because those do not gasify, not readily. And now your your plants are taking up amino acids rather than liquid or soluble nitrogen. And the problems we run into in agriculture is soluble nitrogen or water-based nitrogen is the plant can't refuse it. And when it takes up nitrogen in that form, it will grow it faster than it can take up trace minerals. And now you're, you're cutting out all of its plant defense chemicals because they're all based on trace minerals, hmm. copper in particular. So you want to use something like fish emulsion, which has got the whole mineral complex because that was once a living creature. Yeah. That's a, good a stuff. great way to do it. So when you get like uh, uh, the uh, some, some seawater minus the sodium chloride and some fish emulsion, and maybe you have another one, but you'll just look at the packaging to kind of determine of how much you're going to use on what square feet you have, and they'll, they'll, you know, so you don't the overdo it. Will, right. The package will give you a dilution rate or an application rate, almost always. Okay. Anything else uh, that, that's, besides the seawater without sodium chloride, fish emulsion? Um, Anything else? Well, uh, let's say you're off in the desert and you got nothing around you except prickly pear cactus. Mm -hmm. Very carefully, chop some down, <laughs> grind them up, put in a big wash tub, add water, let it ferment. Really? And now you've, you're producing fertilizer that's so very rich in the polyphenols, it'll actually turn your soil into water holding substrate. Wow, so the, cactus. The old cactus. 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 That's you know, cool. Most people are familiar with cattle eating cactus out in South Texas because they got a guy with a pear burner out there burning all the thorns off. Do you know that <laughs> the cows depend on that so strongly that even if you don't burn the thorns off, they'll eat them with thorns. And you see them all over their lips and nose I'll and in be. their tongue. So what are the cows getting? Are they getting the polyphenols from the cactus? Oh, they do. They do. And, it, and you know, cactus is a rich source of food. Uh, pretty tasty when you get napolitos in the sure. restaurant, yeah. and they've burned the thorns off very thoroughly. Uh, <laughs> the ones I got, <laughs> generally, that's great. But that's you know all kinds of sources. I mean, um, you can any kind of green material that's ground up and composted. It's rich in nitrogen. Mm -hmm. You have to be careful with wood. Wood is not really compost, and it will rob nitrogen from soil. So you want to use wood as a mulch on the surface mm -hmm. to hold your moisture in or arid areas. You can start to grow a lot of things if you can slow down the evaporation rate out of soil. And again, I'm dressing anybody anywhere in the world. These are things yes, you have to consider. Mm -hmm. 
That's and cool. Here's this interesting side note on, on vegetable gardens. During World War II, everyone was encouraged to have a garden at their home, even though there was tremendous numbers of people living in the city. They did that, and it was called Victory Gardens. And during the time of Victory Gardens, America was then rated as the healthiest population Is that on right? the planet. Really? Back in the, so this would there. be like 1940, 41, 42, 43? Exactly. Hmm. At the height of the war, when everything was going overseas, you know, meat shortages, because you were keeping these soldiers fed, uh, all of that. Hmm. Okay, we got a couple emails before we... Uh, Go. We got a few more minutes. If you do, George, let's see. Does George think it is dangerous or not good for us to have eggs from chickens that are fed GMO grains? Hmm. Well, that's an excellent question. It is a good question. Uh, do you do you know for sure? I, I don't know for sure, but I do know that the nutrition of that animal is going to be incomplete if you feed them GMO foods. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that. Those grains will have um, a residue of glyphosate because sure. so many grains are grown. Uh, and they, like for instance, wheat, you spray that crop with Roundup or glyphosate to kill it so that you can predict time of harvest. And that's being done everywhere there's, they're growing wheat. When, uh, when foreign countries said, we're not buying your wheat if it's GMO, uh, the whole development of the GMO wheat stopped and just came to a halt. But as the chemicals will say, the chemical companies, what a happy accident that was. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. now we can spray the wheat crop and kill it uh, ahead of the combine coming, and it's already there and dead, so we're harvesting dry grain. And, you know, that that has its economic advantages. But have, have, it's you ever seen, yeah. have you ever seen any kind of evidence scientifically to to prove or not prove that uh, people that would eat meat with this or that in it or chicken with this or that in it, do we know if it really does transfer all the way down into the blood and the tissues in the body? Is that an unknown well, or do we know? We do know. Glyphosate is well glyphosate. known. Glyphosate, that'll do it. Because it is a, um, uh, it's an amino acid mimic. Hmm. And... Um, I'm pretty sure it's the amino acid glycine that it's mimicking. And we were told repeatedly at the beginning of the use of glyphosates that humans do not have a shikimic pathway. Yep. Stephanie said right? Stephanie said And uh, Oh, yeah, so you can't be harmed by, by the herbicide glyphosate. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out we were being lied to. No. We do have a shikimic uh, no. pathway. No, they didn't lie to us. Come on, George. They wouldn't lie to us. <laughs> well, I don't know. There's economic incentive to do so. But the interesting thing about the artificial meat burgers, and they go by yeah, certain names, right. mm -hmm. they are 18 times higher in glyphosate residue than meat. Oh, all these new fancy, you know, Beyond Burger, whatever it is, right? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're Not way, good. yeah, way, way more toxic. Wow. There seems yeah, to be so, this whole uh, war against meat thing. This must be maybe tied into trying to get people to eat all these weird Soylent Green. Remember that movie, Soylent Green? Only too well. <laughs> yes. Only too well. Yeah. Uh, uh, here's one for you. This is a good one from Mary. Does George think that we can get every, all the nutrients that we need 
eating totally organic vegetables, meat, fish, eggs, cheese, milk. Oh, that's a pretty good diet. Okay. <laughs> that is such a good question. Uh, and the, the answer is, um, in many cases, no, you cannot because of the soil that those feedstocks were grown to feed the animals, then their animals are not deficient. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a, re a really good one um, uh, to look at is B12, and it is um, uh, it's re the requirement to make B12 is in an animal's body, and it takes cobalt to make that. And if the soils are deficient in cobalt, you're going to have uh, eggs deficient in B12. And, you know, you have to pay attention to how is that grass farmer treating the soil that he's growing the grass on? Because if you raise cattle, you're a farmer and your crop is grass. Mm -hmm. And that, that grass can be excellent. It can be off the scale nutritious or it can be very deficient. And, yeah. Please ask another question, or I'm going to spring into one of the things that I wanted to talk about well, originally. We got a few minutes before we go. Uh, one more question, then spring into what you want in the remaining time, because I've got to leave here in ten minutes. Um, but spring before you spring, I had something, and oh yeah, uh, what would be the way, the best way to test if folks who are really geeky about this wanted to see how many nutrients were running around in their body? Is that still a hair analysis, or could you do a blood thing? Is there? I do it with blood. Would you? And what do you? What would you do? They actually have a full spectrum thing you can get. Yes, they do. And what a, a, a full spectrum blood analysis is going to show you, uh, you know, where your glutathione levels are, where your thyroid chemicals are. Oh, you mean? But, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. But I was thinking about if they could just give you all the different minerals that are in there. Or is it just testing all the things that the minerals affect? Testing all the things that the minerals affect. Okay. Because who knows, you may have a mineral-rich diet and you're still too low in uh, glutathione or B12 mm. or something Helping. else. Uh, you, you need to know that. If you want to keep your health, you got to have, you know, you got to hit the full spectrum of what are the metabolites that are keeping you healthy. Mm. And those are all requiring uh, mineral input. So that's everything, liver functions, uh, so sugar, thyroid function, all the whole thing. You just do a big, broad spectrum thing, and they can tell you where you are. And then you know, right. then you know that you got the minerals, right? Yeah. Right. And there's an interesting corollary about the thyroid test. If you can find yep. a, a testing facility that will look at my, negative T3, that will tell you a lot about your environment. Negative T3 shows up when you're in an environment that is not supporting you, that's stressing you. Is that right? And negative three T3, huh? Negative T3. Negative T3. Rich Massey talks about that quite often. Does he? Okay, so and, before you, before we got to go, I only have a few minutes. So would you, would you had something you wanted to really share with us before you left? Yes. Um, once upon a time, Whole Foods had something called an Andy score. Andy and score. the Andy score. Andy, A-N-D-I, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was to would tell you how much mineral complex and how rich are the minerals in the various foods that they had out in the produce department. Really? Huh. That lasted about maybe six, eight months, and then they took it down. And, and I couldn't help but wonder, were they embarrassed at how deficient food stocks are in wow. minerals? Really? I don't know why it disappeared, but I want to see it come back. 
And I think uh, we would all do well to have some kind of a scoring uh, industry to say, okay, let's compare these onions to those onions and mm-hmm. see what we got. Yeah. And it would, be a, it would be a goal setter for farmers, uh, organic, conventional, you name it. They'd all be starting to look at that if we were rating our, what's the mineral content in the foods that we eat. The Andes score. I, I, it happened so quickly, I sure don't remember them even having that. So that's how quickly. Oh, no, it was short-lived. It was. Well, you, have you called your friendly Whole Foods and, and asked them why, what's up with that? You should do that, George. I should. You, you're Good idea. Tell them you're a bio, you biology guy, and I know my minerals. And what do you say, guys? What's up with that? Very good. Let's do it. <laughs> let's let's do it. Well, here we are, George. Thanks for thanks for being here. Do you have a website folks can look at it if they want to see what you're up to here in Dripping Springs? What's your website? It is Geo Growers USA, right? Uh, right. Uh, I think it's just uh, if you'll put it in your search engine, uh, it should come up and it'll be uh, something uh, with Geo Growers and USA in there. Yeah, and I see it right here. GeoGrowersUSA.com. And they got your picture there when you were a kid with a, a turnip the size of your head. How old were you in that picture? <laughs> Do you know what picture I'm oh, talking oh, about? And- one other piece of good advice. Everyone should be growing beets. Beets, yes, beets. Beets correct genetic damage, as do shiitake mushrooms. So my strong recommendation is eat shiitake mushrooms and all the mushrooms, but beets are marvelous really? at correcting genetic damage. Beets, with all of the silly stuff the, beet, uh, the genetic manipulator people are trying to do, beets are perfect, right? Just have beets all the time. Lots of beets, right? Yes, lots of beets. Some people don't like the taste. I love them. Ah, yeah. Have you ever did? Have you ever heard or done done the asparagus and beet protocol, where you juice asparagus with the beets? And oh my, OMG! Oh, no, check it I out, George. You you drink this stuff, and man, it'll make it's it's like it's incredibly detoxification for liver. I have something. I don't know what it's about. But this this guy's got this whole protocol. Google it sometime. It's like beet asparagus protocol or something. Okay, and I'll, it, I'll it, do they're that. raw, and you mix a certain amount. But you got to be careful because you really feel terrible. It'll start. It'll start moving things through like no tomorrow, baby. <laughs> what a trip! Well, I do want to say that everyone uh, could have a real good time, um, loving like you've never been hurt, dancing like no one's watching farming like you'll live forever <laughs> and living like there's no tomorrow i love it thanks george beautiful thank you thank you george thank you so much. may the blessings be george alcott patrick timpone one radio network you have to run i have an appointment and then uh, and in austin he doesn't ever know about the traffic you know it's just uh, taking your chances just going in there so i uh, hope you had a good time this morning i did with george he was great wow good job george and uh then also, uh, uh, Dr. Rob Bryan, um, artist on the whole snake venom thing. And the, the Bryan artist video is on the front page of One Radio Network. I already posted it there, and we posted a link for you. So if you would like to uh, uh, share the link and um, with people, you have that link. And then I think it would be helpful to people who kind of got, um, you know, crazy about this uh, watch the water thing 
that um, it might help them feel, I don't know. Uh, you, know you watch it and you tell me what, what you think, you know. Okay, I love you all very much. Thank you. See you soon. We'll see you tomorrow. Who do we have on tomorrow? Let's see. Tomorrow we've got on Adam Bergstrom. The third Monday, our third Wednesday. Adam will be here tomorrow. So we'll see with Adam. I love you. Thank you for your support. Anything that I can do, let me know. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Thanks for your support. Uh, every time you buy one of the products that we promote, that we get a little commission, and that's how we uh, buy our food and everything like that. So Doodle thanks you too because she eats organic grass-fed beef. And, you know. See you tomorrow with Adam. Take care. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.